Welcome to the Leadership Drip, coffee and conversations for leaders leading the next generation. We're excited to welcome another incredible guest to our table, but before we do, could you do us a favor and hit the subscribe button? And while you're at it, go ahead and give us a five-star review. That helps these conversations reach other great leaders. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and get ready to join us at the table for another great episode of the Leadership Drip. Rob, my friend, welcome back to the show, Leadership Drip. Cleveland, Tennessee is summertime summertime here. It is hot. You know where it's not hot in the winter? Where's that? Waukegan. <laughs> so Waukegan. you have made fun of Waukegan so many times on this show that I'm from there. I've not made Waukegan. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. Not made, Let's it's take just, ownership of what it it's was. It's just not a vacation destination. Yeah, yeah. That's and all. for all the SoCal guests that you have on <laughs> that, that you get to talk beaches with, yeah. Our our guest today, Maddie Ray, who is a recording artist, evangelist, author, influencer, all around incredible person with a heart to reach the next generation of the gospel, is from the Chicagoland area. That's right. And more specifically, the Waukegan Zion Winthrop Harbor, where I rolled for many a year. Bro, you just went into subdivision level. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like Probably can context. name the subdivision. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? The like Dairy Queen on Lewis Avenue. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Actually, actually, Shirls. Shirls is where it's at, right? Shirls. Am I right? Maddie, yes. welcome to the show and tell oh the people about Shirls. <laughs> I am so blown right now. I feel like you are like way too into my life because no one ever knows about Waukegan. They don't even know how to say Waukegan. It, they usually say like Waukegan or something like that. So the fact that you know all the subdivisions, you know where the Shirls is. I mean, if you want to go Dairy Queen, there was one over there in Zion. And so that is like amazing. I'm amazed right now by this connection. And, you know, I'm here to represent. I'm here to represent Waukegan, Zion, Winthrop Harbor, all the places. So, so thank so, you for having me. <laughs> tell me about this Cheryl's you speak of, because I feel like anybody sure. named Cheryl that has a restaurant, it's got to be it's, good. It, let me tell you about it. it. It's like a little greasy spoon that has this amazing ice cream shop. I'm excited like, already. The ice cream is out of this world good. Okay. It's like the softest, creamiest, and if you do a brownie with it too, it's okay. the absolute best. Now yeah. you're speaking so my good. love language. It is, you know, it you is top notch. This, now, um, there's so many, like, well, I know we can, we're talking pizza, but if you go up the road to Kenosha, there's this little greasy spoon called the spot. Yeah. And they like the burgers at the spot are ridiculous, man. I feel like that's a generic name though, for like grease joints, like the spot, you know, like it's been there like well, six. If you're talking years, like, about, if you're talking about pizza, the best pizza place is actually in Zion and it's pizza house. And I love pizza house in Zion. Yeah. They will give you this little cup of like peppers that they slice up and the uh -huh. cucumbers oil and salt and it's the best little combination to just put on your pizza and it's it's my favorite Listen, it has my I, heart so that's the best. i got a buddy no lie and we'll get to the content here in a minute i got a buddy who i went to high school and then when i was at only state we were roommates for a semester there he's from zion as well he is now in nascar has traveled traveled the united states with nascar building engines with being the pit crew all these things swears that the greatest pizza is pizza house in zion he swears by it still. Been all okay. over the globe. But see, but see, I, I'm not aware of these. It's not Chicago style though. It's oh well. It's just just local. It's just local pizza. pizza. Well, yeah. okay, yeah. all right. Well, yeah. fine. It's pretty good. It's yeah. pretty good. Okay. It, it, like, anyways. So, if you it, other than the the pizza house, if you had to have Chicago style deep, deep dish, dish pizza, 
Like for the people yeah. who want Chicago style, where because you go? Because I'm very much into yeah. stereotyping. So if you're from that area, you probably only like Chicago style no, pizza. That's pretty good. Though. Okay, I got you. I got a couple of places. I like either Giordano's yep. or Gino's East. Those are probably yep. the two that I like. Giordano's or Gino's East. What Those was Hannah's? I always get a good deep dish. So our friend Hannah Gronowski Barrett suggested Pisano's. Pisano's. So Pisano's is we're getting way way deep here. Yeah, Pisano's is the brother of Lou Malnati's. Then Lou Malnati's yes. is good. That yes, one of the brothers of started another one called Pisano's, which is downtown Chicago. Okay, like gotcha. Erie Street or Lake Street. Or so one I've got places, so, so much pizza to eat. I, I don't. Yeah, know we'll where spend three to, days eating pizza. There. I don't know where to start. <laughs> Take it all in. Hey, this is a podcast about Jesus stuff too. So <laughs> this is this is what we do. Which is interesting because because let's talk about it. You've been at this bit like in ministry in some sort since you were 12 and you had the Maddie Ray show, like how yes. you get started in that? What's, what's that about? Well, you know, my parents have been doing ministry for over 25 years and they founded our church, Church of Joy out here in Waukegan, Illinois. And um, when my dad came back here to the area, cause he's originally from Waukegan, but he had moved away for a little while, came back. They started it by reaching young people. So they were reaching kids and teens. We were doing tons of outreaches and programs and evangelism and just a lot of really fun stuff like that. And so I grew up um, with my church experience being really fun, seeing tons of just exciting things happening, concerts happening, lots of big um, events that we were doing for kids and teens. So I grew up around all of that. So my dad, being very creative, was always thinking of different ways to just create new things for young people and new ideas and so one day I I think one day I was like at home and I was like praying for something while we were home and he said Maddie he's like you have this voice that just young people would love to listen to we need to do something with your voice and so because of all of the other fun stuff we were already doing we decided to create a tv show that actually aired locally in the Chicagoland area and it was called the Maddie Ray show and I hosted the show where I would uh teach kids certain lessons about the Bible. I would do crafts. We would do it on green screen and we would have like little characters that we would create that I would interact with. And it became like a really kind of big deal in the area where tons of kids were watching it. But really during that season, it really kind of launched what became Maddie Ray Ministries. I, I would have never known that God had so much more down the road for me, but that was really the beginning of me seeing what my calling was, what God had created me to do. And that was to reach kids and teens through many different ways but it started off with a little kids tv show that kids love okay so uh <laughs> you want to know where we can watch it is what you really I, want that's, to ask. That's, that's the first question <laughs> is, it, on is YouTube? it still available is there some bootlegs on youtube <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna have to google the um, trash out of this maddie ray show we have to find some clips uh you know so what? we can some of it might be on YouTube. I don't, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know. You, you'll have to go look yourself. I'm not going to give you a source, but Listen, you know, it is discontinued right now. <laughs> I, I, like things happen on this show that, that happen. Like they just happen. So yeah. Ainsley Burton is a friend of ours. She's on the show. I don't know if you, she goes about Ainsley be on Instagram, but she admitted that she cut like a demo yeah. of like her doing like Christian country music or something while she was in Nashville. And it was like deep in Spotify. Mm -hmm. I dug that thing out and sent it to her. Mm -hmm. I was like, Ainsley, I found it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Love you, Ainsley B, if you're listening. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> we promise not to humiliate you. We won't post it anywhere. Yeah, we will. Mm, 
I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, what was so funny is when I actually did the Maddie Ray show, it, we kind of added a little bit of a reality aspect to it. So I actually had to record the show a lot when I was at school. And so that was a crazy experience bringing in the cameras and all of that while I was at school there. And um, some people liked it and were like, oh, this is so cool. Others were like, we're not feeling it and they had stuff to say. So I've learned to be like, whatever, anybody, if anybody wants to watch it, it's totally fine. I've been through it all before. So <laughs> that's cool. Well, Hey, let's, let's uh, kind of transition from that because I think this is an important conversation to have is obviously you grew up a PK, your parents, you know, were, uh, were they church planners or were they just pastoring in the area? I'm not really sure. Were they church yeah, planners? Yeah, they, they founded and planted the church 25 years ago. Okay, gotcha. So you grew up in a church planner's home, which Jeff knows a lot about. Mm-hmm. I know a lot about church planning uh, just because we've done it. Yeah. Uh, and then and then you, you kind of had this opportunity, you know, where your dad said, hey, your voice is important. Um, I'm not sure that that's always the case in a PK environment. So for you, what was like some of the, those bridges that your parents helped you build? Um, because, I mean, it doesn't sound like they forced you into a ministry context. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. talk to us about that a little bit, because, I mean, this is also a relevant conversation for uh, the next generation as we kind of help them build bridges into ministry. Absolutely. Well, what I was most grateful for growing up in my church experience was how much opportunity my dad gave me. And I minister a lot to to PKs. I do a lot of, I'm creating a lot of resources for PKs. I do a lot of sessions and teaching for PKs. And my heart is really for PKs because I know when you grow up in the church, when you're a pastor's kid, you see the good, you see the bad, you see the ugly. And I know the stereotype as well, where at times young people that grow up as PKs are in the church, they want to leave the church, walk away from God, sometimes they rebel, all of those different things. And I completely understand why, because we see so many sides of what the ministry and what the church is. But I'm really grateful, one, that my dad gave me a lot of opportunity growing up. He put a huge priority on me. And I think that's so important. Anytime I get to minister to churches or PKs, I always talk about how the as the, the pastor or the the, the, the father, he has to put a priority on his kids. If you want to see your kids actually continue to stay involved, to fulfill the call that God has for them, to find what their identity and their purpose is, you have to be involved and you have to prioritize them. And I'm grateful that my dad did that. He was able to prioritize the ministry that he was responsible for, but he also didn't neglect his family. And he was able to raise me up to do what I was called to do as well. And so he gave me a lot of opportunity. And then he also always helped me with my perspective on the church and on ministry. That helped me so much. I actually just recently did a PK session at a conference that I was at and I created a resource for the kids that were there and I made it where it was 10 keys for pastors, kids and church kids. And I lined it up with 10 keys that would help them to be, you know, to have a great experience as a PK or church kid. And the number one thing that all of those 10 keys comes down to is your perspective. Yeah. And I told them, I said, what you believe, what you begin to form to believe in the perspective you begin to have of the church and the ministry that will define and determine 
determine the experience that you have. And because my dad helped me to form a great perspective of what the church is, what the ministry is, what we're called to do, that our family is called to do it. It's not just my parents off doing something else, even removing a little bit of the expectation that we feel of what the church should be or what the ministry should be. He helped me in so many ways to just form a wonderful perspective where I grew up now loving the ministry. I couldn't mm. see my life anywhere else but in the ministry. And obviously with the opportunity that he gave me, well, there was a path that was created as well, where I went from the kids TV show that I did to then I was a part of an all girls rap group that I was a part of, and we would perform and dance and rap and all Is of that, that on YouTube. I interrupted your flow. My bad, my bad, but I was just here. No, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, sorry. again, it might be, there might be some concert footage out there from some loyal fans back then, you know, you might be able to find it. But I went from that to then, uh, so then I became the youth pastor at our church. And that's where a lot of the, the, the preaching began to develop in my life. And so from there, I mean, the music that I was doing, being a solo artist, doing Christian pop and hip hop music, to then preaching, being this youth pastor, and, 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 and even beginning to see this call to be an evangelist, it all kind of came together. And now what I do is really an extension of, of what I had always done here at our local church. And my church, they really support what I do. They send me out as an evangelist. They back me. They support me. Even as an independent artist, I had offers to sign into the the, the music industry, but uh, I was able, one, we decided to not go that route because of all of the other ministry endeavors we wanted to do, but I'm able to be an independent artist because my church supports me and they send me yeah. out and they fund it. So my church experience has been really great. And because of that, it's really shaped my perspective to want to be in the ministry and to really love it for myself. Yeah. So from a young adult's perspective, especially those, I mean, obviously we all could probably quote metrics and statistics, right? But, but in large, one of the reasons why um, we would assume or we perpetuate this idea that young adults don't want to engage in church is because of these preconceived or whether they're true or not, but these perception issues about what church actually is and the hurt that comes with it, whether it's a Ponzi scheme or, you know, whatever, whatever the, the labels are that we want to throw out there. So for you, how are you helping young adults in, in the way that you do ministry and the context that you do it? How are you helping young adults build healthy bridges towards in local church engagement? Because ultimately that's where they really learn my opinion, learn to, function as a part of the body of Christ, right? I mean, I feel like yeah. that's a critical component biblically, theologically. Yeah. So how are you helping them build those bridges and maybe take down some of those perceptions? Yeah, well, like I think, like you said, it's a bridge, right? And with the bridge, right. there's two sides to that. I think one, it is on the side of the church, of the church putting a priority and an emphasis on the young generation. Again, we cannot neglect, we cannot forsake creating an environment for young people to feel welcomed into the church and to feel like they have a place, they have purpose, and they can receive that in the church. Many young people leave the church because they think they have to go outside of the church to find their purpose, to find yeah. their identity, to find their call and they leave the church when that was never supposed to be the case. We're supposed to be equipped in the church. We're supposed to be shown this is what your purpose can be within the church and then sent out by the church, not young people leaving the church to find that. So I think that's number one on that side of the bridge. But I think on the other side of the bridge is as young people come in, what's very important 
in the church experience is young people have to experience the Jesus that they've always heard about. Many young people grow up in church and they hear about Jesus, they read the Bible, they get told all of these different things, but they never encounter the Jesus that they always hear mm. about. Yeah. My story is in part of my church, partly with my parents, but also partly the encounters that I've had with God. I am so unmoved and unwavered and fully persuaded with my relationship with God, with my stance in my local church and with the ministry that God has given me. Yes, because of all of those other things, but really because of the encounters I've had with God. There yeah. is nothing uh -huh. in this world that can persuade me to come away from the church or for the things of God because I've met God. He's revealed himself to me. And young people need that. And we have to be intentional to providing that for them, to creating an atmosphere like that. And I believe contrary to maybe what society, culture, or social media says today that young people aren't hungry for that or young people want nothing to do with that. This God, the Holy Spirit is the one who draws us anyways. Right. God is the one who puts that desire on the inside of us. This generation is hungry today. What we as the church can't do is we can't leave them starving. We have to provide a place for them. We have to provide resources. We have to provide encounter where they feel welcomed in that because I believe they want it. They want an experience with God. They want an encounter with God. And if the church will be what the church was always called and, and created to be, it'll be able to offer that to this young generation today. Yeah, yeah totally agree, Maddie. Um, I want to touch back on this conversation about the opportunities your dad gave you. Now, as a church planner, Rob and I have both been there. The what we call opportunity sometimes are just positions somebody's got to fill, and sometimes yeah. the church family yeah. becomes that role. Yeah. So, and it's it's things we do out of necessities, things we do out of sometimes trying to help somebody, but really out of the opportunities you were given. You you do so many things. You you sing. You're an evangelist. All those things. How did you find who Maddie was and who God had called Maddie to be out of those opportunities? How did you find the voice to be an evangelist? How did you find, obviously you probably recognized the singing voice earlier was recognized in you, but how did those opportunities per se help you discover this is the identity and the calling of who Maddie is and not something that's just being laid on you? I think sometimes we just lay things on people, but to really go, hey, this is what it is for me to do for the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, and I, I love that question because I think that's where it goes to, you know, what am I called to do? Not just like you said, what position am I feel, feeling or what, you know, is this here and there? But I think that came at a very young age. One, I've always consecrated myself to the Lord. And I love sharing that with young people, especially because a lot of your audience too could be college age. You know, even in that season of life, it's very important for us to consecrate ourselves to the Lord. And what I mean by that is saying, God, my life belongs to you. Because in the Bible, it talks about how there's many plans in the heart of man, but it's the counsel of the Lord that stands. There's many things that we can want to do with our life. There's many things that we can do with our life. There's many opportunities that are being presented at our doors every single day because of everything that the world offers today. But at the end of the day, what did God create you for? 
why are you, why are you here? Why were you created the way that you were created? What is it that God has for your life to do? And so at a very young age, I consecrated myself to the Lord. And I first and foremost said, God, whatever you have for my life, I will do it. So I started off in the place saying, Lord, I'm willing to do all things and become all things to all men that I might win some. I will do whatever I have to do, God. And I think it was because of that heart posture that God gave me a lot of opportunities and with those opportunities, the things that my that, that my dad would even teach me is I began to see what areas that I was in began to bear fruit. And I'll give, I'll give an example. I had a young person ask me before, they said, Maddie, how do you know that you're in God's will? And I said two things. The way that you know you're in God's will is one, are you being obedient to the last thing that he told you? That's number one, to know if you're in God's will. Number two is what you're doing right now that God has told you to do, is that bearing fruit within your life? Do you see yeah. the fruit of that? And if you see the fruit of that, well, then you're in God's will. And so I began to see areas of my life that were bearing fruit. I began to see, okay, when I do this, this is able to, to succeed. Or when I do this, people are being reached and impacted. When I do this, this is able to go farther than I've ever been able to go with maybe some of these other things. So I began to see that. And then lastly, I'll say, then it came down to on the inside of me of where did I see there was a need? What were the things that my heart would just just break for? What were the things that I saw and I'm just, I, I would get so grieved or I would get so righteously indignant knowing that, oh, we need an answer for this or somebody needs to do something. Anytime you kind of have that feeling of, oh, something needs to be done. Usually God has put that burden on the inside of you because he wants you to answer that through the gifts that he's given you on the inside. And so I began to see that specifically for this young generation, specifically for young people too, that have grown up in the church. I've seen that so much being that my church experience was so wonderful, but seeing the struggle of young people leaving the church, wanting yeah. nothing to do with God, going out into the world, their life, you know, just being thrown away and all of this stuff. I began to get so grieved saying, no, that's not what it's supposed to be. God has so much more for us. And so because of that, I began to really hone in a lot more now saying with all these things I'm doing, I'm going to hone in and I'm going to be intentional to create resources, music, books, sermons, to provide it for those kinds of young people that either grow up in the church, are coming into the church, or even for the whole body of Christ as a whole. Yeah, I mean, first of all, that you're right. I think just an, an incredible sort of explanation process of discovering purpose. But we've we've done a really good job too of romanticizing what purpose is. Like mm -hmm. you, right. you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, mm -hmm. like like significance is born in terms of of outcomes, mm -hmm. you know, instead of obedience, right? So we've we've created culturally, and I think that's a broader cultural conversation, not just a church conversation, but as we often do in church, we sort of adapt cultural realities and norms as mm -hmm. our measurement for what purpose or success or significance is, right? So, so the conversation then is help not only helping people, students, young adults, whoever, discover what that purpose is, but also helping them understand that the value of purpose is not in, in layers of acclamation, but it's, right. it's always built in layers of obedience. And so my, and I'm, I'm getting to a point here, right? Nobody. So this is, this is my ramble, but the point is like, we've created this idea or this concept that I think a lot of times has paralyzed students or young adults or those coming into the church uh, with this romantic idea of purpose. And so 
they're so concerned about getting it right that they actually don't give something a try. You know what I'm saying? Like, so part of the discovery process of following Jesus on the daily is following him on the daily. And today he may say, Hey, go write a rap album and do it. But tomorrow he may have you write sermons and preach them. And the next thing he might have you do is write a book in order to reach a different audience. And it's, it's that ability to follow Jesus on the daily in the process of discovering your purpose not just discovering the purpose. Does that make sense? It does. And if I could just add one little point and I'll, I'll let you guys move on to the, to the next thing. But I love that because I've shared that before where sometimes we think that our purpose is something that's going to happen one day, 10 years down the road, right. or 20 years down the road, or it's like this destination we're going to get to. But this is why Paul tells Timothy, don't let them look down on you because you are young, but you start being that example. Now you start walking in your purpose. Now you start walking in your identity now. And that's the thing that students, young adults, this young generation has to see is that your purpose is that every single day thing that you're doing, God has something for you right now that he needs you to do now. So even living your life for Christ, young people at times will say, you know, I'll serve God when I'm older. It's like, no, get into it right now, your whole life into it now, because I will say this as it pertains to God's will, you could miss out on things that God wants you to do right now because you're thinking it's somewhere down the road. But God already has so much for your life. There's so much purpose, so much meaning that can be found every single day. And I think that's the best way to live life is finding purpose every day and seeing how that unfolds throughout throughout your life to wherever God winds up leading you down the road. Yeah. And Maddie, clearly the passion for the church and particularly this, this generation that your generation, the generation coming behind yours just bleeds out and spills out over everything you seem to say. Um, what do you think has triggered that passion in you? Why are you so passionate to get this message to young people? Yeah. You know, if I, if I could say it in the most just personal way for myself, I, I, I've just seen God be who he is. And I've seen God do so much in my own life that it's, I, I just, I crave for other young people to experience that. I just, I want them to have that so bad. Um, and, you know, sometimes the way that I am, maybe, you know, the passion that I have or the joy that I have, you know, people can even ask, are you really like that? Is that, you know, or is that just how you are yeah. when you come in front of people and all of that? But it's really who I am because I just, God has been so good in my life. I've seen God be faithful. I've seen God come through. I've seen God move. I've seen God heal. I've seen God deliver. I've seen God be everything that his word says that he is. And when I see a generation that speaks against God or, or speaks against the church or speaks against the word of God, my heart breaks because I know the truth. I know what God is. I know what God has done. And I want them to experience that. And so I live my life to one, just honor the Lord in that. I want him to be honored so much because of how much I've seen him do, but I want young people to experience that. I want them to love the church because I know I, I I've grown up in the church. 
I know what goes on in the church. Yeah. I know yeah. as a pastor's kid, what goes on behind closed doors. I, I know what goes on, but if I can say this and, you know, I know some people just, just hear me out when I say it, but you know, this whole trend, even with church hurt, I understand how people can get hurt in the church. However, I, I, I struggle at times with the phrase church hurt because the church doesn't hurt people. People hurt people. Right. People that are in the church can hurt others, but the church was God's idea. It was God's design. It's God's house. It was a place to heal the brokenhearted that come in to heal the hurting, not to hurt the hurting. And so I, I'm so passionate because I love to defend who God is, what his word says, but also to bring such life to it, to this generation, to let them see that being a Christian, living for God, being in the church, it's exciting. It's fun. It's the best life that you could ever live. It's the most abundant life you could ever live. And so because I've experienced that, and it's so genuine for me, I, I try to share it that way to this young generation, believing that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that they'll begin to experience that for themselves, live that out for themselves, and just have everything within their life that God designed and intended for them to have and live out in their life. Yeah. Um, I, I truly think, and this is, and I've said this before, so this is not a, a new statement for me, but I truly believe that the greatest revival in human history will come through Generation Z, Generation Alpha generations. I, I truly believe that mm -hmm. with all my heart. Now, it's not going to look necessarily the same as we imagine or we perceive revival in our historical sense. I think it's going to be different, but I do believe that the greatest revival in human history will come through them. So in light of that, we could talk a lot about the negatives and the challenges of each one of those generations. But for you, I know what brings me joy about this generation, but what are some of those really positive aspects you see coming from Gen Z from and not quite Gen Alpha yet, but but they're getting there. They'll get there eventually. So what are some really positive things you see coming out that we can build on that we can that we can frame in terms of, you know, uh, empowering them to serve and all those things like what are some of those positives well one like i think I, I think i said this earlier they're so hungry now you wouldn't think that all the time again through what you see at times on social media but because i travel and i go out to different churches and conferences and youth groups yeah. i have seen the hunger that these kids have i was just at a conference well two conferences only a couple of weeks ago and everywhere that I went these young people are bombarding the altars of their churches yes. hands lifted all the way yeah. over their heads like God touch me God reveal yourself to me God I just throw my life into your hands and I don't think social media does the best job at capturing that side of this generation yeah. or truly what God is stirring up on the inside of them and so I would say with those with them being so hungry right now what do we have to do we have to feed them and we have to empower them we have to feed them the word of god they have to know god's word because with this culture that's out there today which which i can share later about the message that god has given me there's a lot 
in the culture where if we're not careful, which we kind of already have, we, we become very well adjusted to the culture, very comfortable with the things of this world. And this generation, they have to know the difference between the things of the world and the things of God, because there's a little bit of a gray area that's mm -hmm. happening right now. They have to understand that when you come into a life of Christ, you completely detach from the things of this world and you give your life completely over to the Lord. Your life is changed. It's transformed. You give your life completely unto him. You cut ties with all those worldly things you were caught up in. Now you let God do what God does. And then he'll send you back out and you can bring all your friends back into the kingdom of God too. But they have to be taught the word of God. They have to know what is true. That's a battle today in our generation. Yeah. What is true? Young people like to say, well, you can have your truth. I can have my truth. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible yeah. says there's only one truth and his name is Jesus. So we have to feed them. Don't we can't think that young people don't want the word of God. They don't want good sermons. They don't want, you know, the meat. You got to feed them good meat because they're hungry for that. And then secondly, we have to empower them. We have to believe in them. We have to, with empowering them, equip them with what they need. We have to give them opportunity in the church to come to find what their purpose is. If we see young people that are in the church or maybe on some of our college campuses or wherever, we have to then say, okay, how can we, we see this young person that's been serving in this area, they've been faithful in this area, they've honored in this area. How do we come around this young person or this group of young people? How do we equip them now to do more with what they've already been doing? How do we give them resources? How do we support them? Can we fund them? Can we finance them? Can we, you know, create something for them to do over here? As the church, we can do that as, you know, the especially with the older generation the older generation can do that for the young generation and should do that for the young generation seeing that these young people are wanting to, to to go out and have these movements and have you know this ministry they're starting and this and that we have to equip them so that way i'll say this too it can be done properly yeah. because what we right. don't want either is a young generation that's all gung-ho and now they feel like they have to detach from the church to go out and fulfill their ministry we want this to be done proper and, and according to how god's word says it where young people are being sent out properly by the church and equipped to do what god has them to do so i believe if the church does that or if us you know as leaders if we do that to equip them empower them and feed them i think we'll be able to meet this generation right where they're at and we'll see god do incredible things i believe in our lifetime yeah this could be a fun this could be fun this is a fun conversation okay. <laughs> well what i love about it is she's saying things that this is not the first time we've heard those things right well like so, i love the echo of other leaders that are coming through maddie so so jeff and i even before the show earlier today we were just talking about some stuff and like I've preached probably seven or eight times in the last month in different conferences, youth groups or whatever, youth camps. And what's strange is, and Jeff and I both know this because we're both preachers. I mean, he's a senior right. pastor. I'm, you know, and I, I'm the campus pastor here. And so we, we preach and we love to do it. You're clearly a, an incredible preacher just on the, on the pod as they call yeah, it the these days, the pod, uh, you know, you're obviously a, a great, a great preacher as well. And so what's interesting for me is the evolution of what I believe is really just God's spirit, just kind of rechanneling or redirecting some of us older guys, because I think there was a season or a time in both of our lives where preaching was about making it uh, much more craft, much more craft. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like cute, it's cute and, and quippy and sticky. and sticky and stuff like that. And that's cool. But I'm, I'm serious. Like I have been constrained, like, 
recently, I would say within the last year or two years of literally the, I just did a camp a couple of weeks ago and I got up and I read Acts chapter two and preached from it. Acts chapter eight. And I what? preached from it. Acts chapter 16. And I preached from it. It was just like, this is all I've got. I've got a Bible and what? I've got Jesus. And it's just yep. like, and they're eating it up. Yep. Like, like and they're, they're, okay with it. they're, they're totally okay with it, yep. which is, which is, you know, you know, we're older. So we've been around the horn a little bit. We're still trying to stay cool, but we just aren't, but that's okay. I, I think I've quit trying to be cool. <laughs> yeah, finally, I think I finally quit, but I get hey, what you're if saying. You guys have a pod, if you have a pod, you're cool. Okay. So you're cool. We're good. We're good. We got street cred, but it, it's interesting. It, it's an interesting it, reality. We had this conversation earlier, but yeah, before we started today, that, that in the messages we've been preaching, it feels like we've done a whole lot more just letting scripture speak and not worrying about the the illustrative things and the stories and, and it just seems like especially young young people and young adults are going i never knew it said that right mm. like and they, it's not that you can't be creative right. it, no, it's, we're not, it's not we're not that downplaying it's just, creativity it's just the approach let scripture much speak let, let the let the word do what the word does i mean it's what it did right and they want it. They want yeah. it. I just preached, you know, I just preached the message um, in First Kings about Elijah and about the prophets of Baal and about like all this stuff at this youth conference that I was just at. And that was a story probably you wouldn't think to, you know, share at a youth conference, you know, talking about Elijah and the prophets of Baal and how, you know, the idols during that time and they were doing child sacrifice and like all this stuff. But God gave me that. And I literally took them through the whole entire chapter of First Kings. I think it was that whole story of what was happening, of how Elijah came to reestablish again who God is as they were, you know, bowing down to other idols of Baal and Asherah and all these different things. And Elijah was like, come on, we're going to do this right now. It's going to be a showdown. We're going to see whose God is God, you know, choose today. How long will you waver if God is God? Go with God. If Baal is God, then serve him. And I'm preaching this message, literally reading like chunks of scripture throughout Damn. that whole chapter. And I had young people at the end come up to me and they said maddie i was on the edge of my seat the whole time that you were reading that i never knew just like what you said i never knew the bible said that i never knew that story was in the bible and we're sitting there literally reading this whole chapter about the old testament about what was going on then and there right. but these young people got so excited and fired up as god's word was being preached to them literally in that moment right after I mentioned about what happened of how the fire of God came down and consumed the sacrifice that Elijah put on the altar and they fell down on their faces and they realized God was God. Young people started running to the altar again with their hands raised saying, I'm going with God. God is my God. And they literally were up there at the altar chanting and worshiping and singing. Literally, I had them shout, if you're going with God, shout, I'm going with God. They're like, I'm going with God. And so it's just powerful to see that when we're obedient as the vessels of God, that we just literally let his word go forth and this generation is eating it up. They yeah. want it. They want to receive it. They want to move on it. And to see the power of God move in a service like that, when his word is just proclaimed, really it's a testament to the word of God, that it is truly alive. It is active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. And it is moving in this generation today. And I think one of the things, the big realizations for me, especially being in my role here is, we have got to learn to trust them with deeper, harder content. Mm -hmm. 
Like, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yes, I understand that there's a that we can have the whole conversation about biblical illiteracy, but that doesn't mean that we need to teach biblical simplicity. You, 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 does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Am I, am, yes, but they 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 want the hard stuff. Like right. they want to be aware, yes, challenged, yes. Um, but they really just want to consume it. Like they want to know what this Bible says. I'm going to make a statement that I've not completely thought through. So nobody holds it. Oh, this will be fine. I wonder if sometimes biblical illiteracy is to our advantage right now. Let me explain what I'm saying. Yeah. So we, if you, you and I, the three of us, you didn't grow up in church, but you yeah, came to church a, in your 20s, I was a but I grew up, I grew up in church, Maddie grew up in church, Sunday school, kids church. We heard the stories over and over. Yeah. Like, so we were, couldn't hear the story again, but the kids who are not growing up in church and that the story of the prophets of Baal and that one, like, like that's a great story. Fire fall from heaven. The this prophets are cutting themselves. It's wild. And like, it's a wild story to somebody who's never heard that before. What an advantage right? Like mm-hmm. this is in the Bible. Like you're telling me this stuff is in the, like, I thought it was boring. So I wonder, and, and, and again, I'm not for biblical literacy, but I wonder if, if we're poised on a, on a situation right now or at an edge of time where them not knowing is as, as communicators, preachers, teachers is to our advantage because it's fresh and it's new. Yeah. And it's not diluted. It's not overplayed and it's not been taught wrong. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So, so because it is great. You mentioned this. You said the culture is great, and it's not a little great. It's a lot great. The the truth and the misnomers of truth and the misinformation of truth that has entered the church is significant. And you got a brand new book that just came out called Culture Cleanse. What what kind of led you to kind of push on that conversation to kind of push it back on the gray? Well, I came across the verse that most of us uh, uh, know, we, a lot of us know this one of Romans 12, verse two, in the regular version where it says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We all you know, know that verse and everything, but I had been up on the, the message version of the Bible, which I've been loving recently when I kind of use it as a reference when I'm usually reading. And I came across that verse in the message version. And it said this in Romans 12, uh, verse two in the message, it said, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking Mm. when i read that in the message i said hold on a second this is taken on a whole nother meaning now or this is really kind of amped it up a little bit in terms of what this whole conforming to the pattern of this world because we at times you know like to over spiritualize things and think oh yeah i'm not conforming to the pattern of the world but what does that really mean Well, to conform to the pattern of this world, as it says in the message version, well, I'm just very well adjusted, or let's break it down even more. I'm just very comfortable with the things of this world. And when I saw that, and I began to look out on the culture and society and social media, as many people have, we as Christians, we're allowing the culture and society and social media to influence and impact us within our lives. We're becoming very comfortable with the things of this world. For, for some of us, even if it's something small, where we're just fitting into it without even thinking. There's a lot of, 
you know, if I could say it like this, you know, th th there's a lot of compromise that we're seeing right now, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, with Christians or in the church or wherever. And, um, you know, we, we, we just see a lot of that and we're okay with it. We're okay with, you know, allowing the culture to kind of lead out on certain things, or we're okay with making excuses of why we think certain things should be okay, or it's not that big a deal. And, you know, as Christians, we're kind of getting away from that stance that we would take before on just what God's word says on the way that we should live our lives, the things that we should believe, the things that we should be standing for. And so with this message, I started preaching it at a lot of different churches. And I really felt that God wanted me to turn it into a book to really get it into the hands of uh, this young generation in America, but also to the body of Christ. This message, although I reach a lot of young people, this book is not only for young people. This book is for the church as well, because we've gotten very well adjusted. And this whole this whole um, title of Culture Cleanse, it's actually not about solely about us going out into the culture and cleansing the culture. It's about us cleansing ourselves of the culture that we've become well adjusted mm, yeah, to. Yeah. We have to cleanse ourselves of those, those things that are dishonorable to the Lord. If we're going to be honorable vessels for God to use, as it says in Second Timothy chapter uh, two, verse 21, it says that in there, how if we're going to be ready for God to use us, if we're going to be useful to the master, if we're going to actually be able to go out and make a difference, we have to cleanse ourselves first. And it starts in the church. All of these things that we see going on in society, we think we're going to go out there and clean that mess up. We, it starts in the church. We have to clean that up in the church first as believers. Get back to what the true gospel is, that when Jesus Christ comes into our life, our life is transformed. We don't look like the world anymore. We don't act like the world anymore. We don't talk like the world anymore. We don't do what the world does anymore. We are separate. And so again, with this book, it's even a call to separation, consecration, dedication unto the Lord, even a term that I've kind of brought back up in some circles, sanctification, which we don't talk about anymore, but where we're set apart unto holiness. And let me say this too. This is what I love about God's word. Sometimes you bring things up like holiness and purity and righteousness and all those things. And today, because of the culture, people like to make a lot of excuses on why that's not possible. Or we like to make excuses on why that's so hard or why we shouldn't expect that or that's too high of a standard or, you know, we need to be okay when, you know, people don't do this or don't do that. But like I said at the beginning, when I was young, I made a vow to God that I was going to be consecrated to him. And I lived every day as a young person, choosing and being intentional to live a life of purity, to live a life where I made right decisions, a life where I resisted temptations. Now, I wasn't perfect, but I lived very intentional to honor God. I lived very intentional to please God. I found out later on in my college years um, when I began to hit a little bit of a wall in my life and kind of see like, man, I've been trying, trying, trying for a long time, but I'm beginning as I'm getting older to hit a couple walls right now. God took me to the verse in the Bible in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, again in the message version. It said in there that everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to Christ, which is the Holy Spirit. So I began to get to know the Holy Spirit, and that just took it to a whole nother level of possibility that because the Spirit of God is on the inside of me, I'm empowered to live a life that's pleasing to God. 
So this book, Culture Cleanse, I think is really going to encourage people and empower people to live the life that God wants them to live and to show them that it's possible by way of the Holy Spirit and by way of what God's word says. Yeah, I think the timing of it, um, interesting, I, I'm going to make a comparison because my I have a daughter who's 18, getting ready to go to college. She's into vintage things like vintage you know clothing and right, whatever right. is vintage yeah. you know by vintage she means 1990s which is what i grew up in but <laughs> but everything vintage is like cool now yeah and i no, think sure. i think a a vintage faith is coming back so some of the conversations you mentioned consecration holiness sanctification those things that that in my growing up in a little pentecostal church in the 80s were primary conversations that we've moved off of i feel are becoming in vogue again almost in this vintage faith uh, you can yeah. write that down and steal that and write a book about vintage it if you want to say, okay, yeah, Rob's got it. Got it. Um, <laughs> but I think that's, that's, I mean, that's where we are. We're, we're redeeming some of the things we've not talked about. And I think it's because we have pendulum swings and we had, we talked to pastor Chris Hodges a while back. He's a church of the Highlands, large mm -hmm. church, one of the largest churches in America. And he said that there was this renewed sense at his church and they are like the, like the systems church and they run a tight ship, but he's, he grew up in a Pentecostal expression that there's been a return to altar calls in their church, especially with young people. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. like this, this, what has been, what we thought wasn't cool is cool again yeah. and desired. And so this redeeming ourselves from the culture, removing the culture, I think the timing of it, because vintage is cool again, it is right for, for yeah. the, the message. I think it's right for the church. And I think it's what we need to do right now. I had a, I had a, a Gen Zer uh, say something to me the other day. They were, they were shocked that, and I could have the metrics wrong, but bottom line is the Bible calls God by holy over 500 times and only it calls God by love. God is love like five times. Right. And so the, you know, so it was, uh, the numbers could be off, but they were mm -hmm. like, you know, we always hear about God is love. God is love. God mm -hmm. is love. But, you know, like more than 500 times is like God is holy. Like, right. so why don't we talk about the holiness piece of it? Right. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like that yeah. vintage faith. It's like they're asking really curious questions yeah. about about who God is. And, and yeah. a lot of what we have perpetuated or promoted as God's identity, God is love yeah. or whatever. It's true. It's not that it's not true. Obviously, it's true. Mm -hmm. But there are larger ideas about God's identity than just his love. Well, I and think that's, that's it, what I think we're engaging with. It's also incomplete when we don't talk about the other names of God. And Absolutely. The other, other personifications. God is him. also judge. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, we got to so talk we, about we, these things. So I think you got to talk about I this think stuff. they want the completeness. And that's yeah. why like people like Maddie, when they're, when they're hitting the hard things, we, we talked about the others, they're okay with hard conversations and they're okay with hard spiritual conversations. Yeah. Um, so I think the timing's right for some of this. Okay. Well, so and I, I love that you said, if I could just say the completeness that you said, because that's so important because when we talk about, you know, holiness and the holiness of God and, you know, again, living this life, you know, as the Bible says that we're to be holy as God is holy. Sometimes people get turned off on it because it's, it, 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 you know, there's obviously the other side of it that some people have experienced of the very legalistic side mm -hmm, right. and, you know, all of that stuff in there. But I think it's combining the completeness of who God is, what his word says, where I want to live this way because of my love for God. Yeah. I want to be able to relate to God in this way. If God is holy, 
well, then I want to be holy too, because I want to relate to God in his holiness. I want to spend more time in his presence so he can refine me. So I can be more of who he's created me to be. I've taught our young people and I, cause I'm a youth pastor at our church too. And I taught them about how, how, who we are when we walk in the spirit that is the best version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. When we are completely just walking in the spirit, we're spending time in God's presence, we're in God's word, we're, we're living a life of purity and holiness, we become the best version of ourselves. That's what we should want. When we're in God's presence, we can be the best that we could be because that's God's original intent of who he created us to be. And I think when a generation sees that, I think they'll find so much identity in that too yeah. because so many young people are they're looking for that they're, they're trying you know that's why there's so much anxiety and depression and all the things that are out there because they're looking at their life thinking what is my life supposed to be why am i feeling this way why am i struggling with this but when we go into god's presence he reveals to us who he always intended for us to be and that's such a beautiful thing um that we can come to know when we're truly living in that place like god's word says yeah that's awesome awesome so we are out of running at the end of our time here, Maddie, and it's been such a joy. But we do have one final question. We ask every guest. We record here at the beautiful Lee University campus, which is it glowing is with sunshine today. Glowing uh, with heat. Yeah, with heat too <laughs> and humidity. But we do ask the same question of every one of our guests. Um, what is one lesson you learned in college? Now, we didn't discuss if you went to college or not, or in the college time frame of life that you learned that didn't take place in a classroom? Yeah. Well, I went to our School of Ministry Bible College here at our church. So we have a School of Ministry Bible College here. Um, And I came here right out of high school. And first, let me say this, because this is going to lead into what I learned outside of the classroom. But the greatest gift that I ever received was when I graduated from high school and my dad actually gave me a whole, a really nice, like whole bookshelf with tons of his favorite books that he's read or that's imparted into his life. He filled it with all of those books. Now, at first, when you're coming out of high school, I'm like, I'm not trying to get a bookshelf with books. Like that's not really the kind of gift that I would have wanted. But over the years, especially as I was in college and I was going through different things, you know, learning a lot, but still, you know, finding who I was, I kind of hit a wall during my third year of of college in my life where I kind of, I, I wasn't like, like doubting like my faith or anything, but it was just a wall where I'm like, God, I'm just gonna need you to reveal yourself to me in a way that I've never seen you as I've grown up in church. I just, I really need you to come to me in a more personal way right now because I, I'm just struggling. And um, I remember, in that season outside of the classes that I was taking outside of everything that I was learning, God really took me just to this deep place with him where that gift that my dad gave me really came into play. And I began just, God drew my heart, honestly, one to his word. And then two, he showed me that anything in my life that I was struggling with, there was, there was an answer to it in his word. And so with all of these books that my dad gave me, I was able to pick off of that shelf all of these different topics of things that I was either struggling with, things that I was needing to learn, things that I was needing to, to, to get just some kind of answer on. And I began picking it off the shelf. And literally, I read in that year more than I ever have in my whole life. And so I think I learned 
in that season, one, never underestimate reading and having resources at your disposal, really get into that. But two, never underestimate how and when God wants to meet up with yeah. you. I saw in that season in my third year of Bible college, every everything that I had known and everything that I had learned growing up my whole life, it just, it, it, it came to life in that time. I really had an encounter with God in that season. I encountered God in a and it, I just, I, I wish I could get into the whole, the whole story, but I can't right now, but I just encountered him in a way where he became so real. And so for those that are in college right now, don't just, you know, go throughout college of, oh, I'm just going about it, you know, whatever, but really be intentional to number one, whether you're in a Christian college, secular college, be very intentional to really pursue God and get to know him. Because when you pursue after God, just like I asked God and I said, God, I need you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you in a way I've never known you. Number one, God is going to meet you. He's going to come through on that request that you have. And when he does, what you're going to learn in that season is he's really going to show you who you are. He's going to reveal the identity that he has for you, the life that he has for you. Your purpose is tied into that as well. But this is where he really goes into the depths of just who you are. And so pursue getting to know who God is so that way he can reveal who you are and never underestimate any of those things that are at your disposal that God will take you back to. Or now, even at this age, I'm out of college, I'm out and all of that. I reach back to so many things that I learned, that I read, that I gained knowledge on when I was in college. I have that to reach back on, which is such a blessing for me in my life, even in the season that I'm in today. Yeah. Okay. That's so awesome. Maddie Ray, it has been an absolute joy uh, to have this conversation have, with you. I have one more thing to share before we leave. Okay. This is, this is a good, <laughs> this is proof that the Lord can redeem anything. Okay. I, want to share I, this. I know you're setting here, Jeff. I'm, okay. I'm aware. <laughs> so that's true too. Their church yeah. sits in the old Lake County YMCA. Okay. When I was in junior high, we'd have Friday night dances in that YMCA. Oh, snap. And little seventh oh grade God. Jeff would hit the running man He'd and hit the, the, cabbage the, the cabbage patch and the spring. And now look, look what the Lord has done. He's redeemed it for something good. <laughs> I'm sitting in it right now. Isn't that amazing? I am it's probably right where I hit the right running man, right there. Right, right there where she said he did right the running. The run you know, I wish I could get up and just do a little running man for you, you know, just full circle, full circle That's moment. A, it's like going home again. <laughs> it's like going home again. Wow. Anyway, thank you so much for being on the show. And thank as we you. always say here at the Leadership Drip, you have a seat at the table. God bless you. And uh, we're grateful for yeah. you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Leadership Drip. If something from this episode helped you lead better, then share it on your social media and tag us. If we see it, we may share it to our channels. We appreciate you taking time to join us. And remember, you always have a seat at the table.